your Bibles, you can turn with me. We're going to be in the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 14. We're going through the I am statements. We're in the exact middle. I know you've been waiting for this, right? You know, we're in the exact middle to get all the, all the way through this. We've talked about what? I am the light of the world. Where he makes that statement, he makes a statement that I am the bread of life. And we've also looked at I am the vine. All right. Those are all relational statements as to how God has this relationship with us. All right. Light of the world. He's the very existence of who we are. And then we talked about bread, where he's the essence of life. He's the very thing that sustains us through all of all of who we are. And the vine, the vine is the connection to show us how we're connected to God. We're just branches. So now he makes this statement that here that I'm going to put in the middle because the reason I'm putting this in the middle is because we're going to talk about I am the way, the truth, and the life today. All right. And then the other three I am statements are going to flow out of this. So this is going to be the setting the example statement for the things that we'll cover all the way from now into Easter and actually the Sunday beyond Easter. All right. At least at least it's going to take me that long to get through all of this. So today we're in John chapter 14. We're going to look at verse six. But before I get there, I want to make a statement. The statement is this. Humanity does not create. Can you say with that with me? Humanity does not create. There's no way that we create life. There are things that we can create from the essence of the parts of the pieces that which, which we have here or that, that which we construct. But we do not make life. All we do is clone life, all right? So today I want to make a statement to you. There are no clones spiritually. Do you get this? Spiritually, we have to be born into a relationship with God. It's not something that is cloned in us or is a genetic part of our makeup. Meaning this, just because your parents went to church and gave their life to Christ doesn't mean you're going to heaven. All right. Just because grandma and grandpa did this or great-grandma and grandpa did that, it's not a precursor for you to go to heaven yourself. This is a relational thing that we've studied and talked about through the first three I am statements, but we have to realize this is something for every single one of us. And then the life that man or humanity tries to show as something that is created is actually just a clone of this. In other words, every other faith that it does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is a clone. It's an it's a offshoot. It's a, it's a remake. It's something that humanity's tried to take and make over. Look, the Church of Latter-day Saints was a revelation to a man after a different time period, when, um, and he added to Scripture. The same thing happened with Jehovah's Witnesses. Do you get this? These are, these are not things that are these, are... these are human fates that people are trying to recreate and connect themselves back to Christianity. So you've got to realize that, the, that when Jesus makes this statement right here, he draws the line in the sand. This statement right here separates our faith from every other faith in the world. Now, John 3.16 shows us that the love of God, what? For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting or eternal life. So that shows us the way. This statement right here draws the line in the sand. To me, this is the definitive scripture or verse in all of Christianity. If someone ever comes to you and says that, that the Muslim faith is like 
or is the same God, it is not the same God. If someone ever says to you that Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness are the same, they're not the same. This is where you go back to. You can also go other places in Scripture, and I can tell you about those one day, that where we can show where there's different. But this right here, do you believe, do you believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man? That he died for you on a cross? That he is the only way? Now you see, this is not the same for everybody. Most everybody, there's a lot of people who've taken collective pieces. Even someone, I, you know, I, use, I used to use this. It was more poignant back in the day, but I'll use it as an example. It's not as poignant as in this day and time. But everybody used to watch Oprah. And Oprah took bits and pieces from all kinds of different faiths and meshed them into her theology. Jesus Christ wasn't the only way or isn't the only way to heaven for her. She's so mishmashed and all. That is not salvific. That is not salvific. You cannot take our faith and clone it and humanly reproduce it into something that is acceptable for you so that you can feel good emotionally that you're going to be all right eternally. That doesn't work. So we cannot clone ourselves. We cannot make ourselves. We have an individual distinctive identity of who we are. A clone is this. It's a duplicate, one that appears to be a copy of the original form. It's a copy. Biometrics. I want you to think about this. And look, I know I'm getting really deep here on this right here. But biometrics. What am I saying when I mean this? Your eye is distinctive. Your fingerprints are distinctive. Ever watch CSI? They can catch you with these, man. They can catch you with what? Your hair now. Your DNA, those strands, how you're made up is distinctive. Truly sets you apart. These metrics of who you are. Why? Because God created you. He personally knit and wove you together, Scripture says, in your mother's womb to make you who you are. There is no other like you. My mom used to say that. Thank the Lord there's no one else like you. I may have told y'all this before. I went back to Marcel. I didn't uh, this past week. I didn't see this lady there. But once there was a lady that came back with her daughter had been one of my Sunday school teachers when I was growing up. And then she brought her daughter back to the church after years. And, of course, I was a student minister at the time. And she goes, you're the student minister here? And I was like, yes, ma'am, I'm the student minister here. She goes, you were the worst kid I ever had. <laughs> There's hope for us all. There's hope for us all. So you got to understand that you are uniquely made by God. You have an identity to Him and to Him alone. And so when you have, you have to personally bring that identity into relationship with God. It's not something that you can inherit. It's not something that I can give to you. It has to come between you and God and you and God alone. So when you know these things, when you know that all that the world does is replicate that which God created, that there is no, you don't have true identity in any of those replications. Do you get that? Any other faith in the world, you don't have true identity. 
to the creator of the world. There's a few faiths that say that you can become just like him. That your whole job here on earth is to become a God in your own place wherever you're going to get to. My faith says that God is my creator, my father. And my true identity is not found in my biological parents, but my true identity is found in him and in him alone. Everything else that humanity does tries to clone this out, replicate it out, make it look like this. Why do they do that? Because this statement, which we're going to read this morning, is harsh. It's really harsh, right? It, it cuts out all your options. How many people like it when all of your options are cut out? All right, I was going home on Monday. had been over towards the Mall of Georgia area. I cannot, I'm, in the last two weeks, I want you all to know something. It doesn't matter which way I travel. You do not need to be behind me because I'm going to be in a traffic jam. In any direction that I've went, with all the work they've done on 85, or it doesn't matter which way they're going. It seems like the way I'm going, they've got stopped. Well, I got on 985 because I wanted to avoid all that. And guess what they were doing down here at, at what? Down here. Right down here at Flowery Branch. They got it closed for something. It's backed up for miles. I'm, Tamar calls me on the phone, and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, going, I'm sitting in traffic. I've been sitting in traffic for the last two weeks. I swear to you, I cannot go any direction anywhere around here to try to go. I'm sitting in it. I'm just stuck. We don't like, I started thinking, if they didn't have those little bar things over there, I'd cut across this median right now, and I'd go right back. Yeah, Y'all are with me, aren't you? I'm up there, and I'm looking, I'm going, it's only like four or 500 yards, and nobody's moving. What are they doing? You do not like it when your options are cut off, do you? When you are stuck, you are trying to find another way. Think about that for a second. When the world is in its sin, it is trying to find another way to get to God and still be okay with their sin. Oh, look, man, we've dealt with this from Christendom all. I mean, the Catholic Church used to sell indulgences, used to sell relics, all kinds of stuff. People were buying everything that they could to what? Be okay to be absolved of their sins so that they could get themselves to heaven. The church is, is no exception to this. But I'm telling you, you're not going to get to heaven except through this passage right here. So here we go. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. What has just happened? Thomas is like, show me the Father. And Jesus has just said to him, I am the, you've seen every single bit of this. You've been here with all of these miracles. You've seen me do what God, I am the living God. And then he comes right out and says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So here's, here we're going to go through all three of these characteristics. And then the other I am statements that we're going to cover are going to break down each one of these, all right? The way. This is our behavioral characteristics. This is our emotional response. We don't like it when someone cuts off all of our options. So when someone says that Jesus Christ is the way, the only way, what does that do? Emotionally, that gets us uptight. Why does it affect us emotionally? It affects people emotionally. Why do people get so upset at the name of Jesus Christ? 
Why does our faith in this country today cause so much turmoil in schools and in government and in everything of society? Everybody wants to be uptight with everybody, with all of us. They don't want to be uptight with everybody else. Have you noticed that? It's okay for somebody else to pray or if it's okay for someone else to practice their faith or, or given the opportunity to do that. But it's not okay with you and I. Why? Because, because of this definitive statement right here. Jesus Christ says that he is the way, only way, and it cuts off everybody's options. And emotionally, people respond to that. And it is raw. It is raw back to us. People don't like when you reveal their sin. And you may not call someone out on their sin personally, but you don't have to. All you have to do is say that you're a follower of Christ. And they know that Christ doesn't put up with this junk. So immediately, you are associationally hooked to the Lord. And when you're associationally hooked to the Lord as a follower of Christ, then they're going to see you as someone who is condemning. But... The reality for us is that you and I are followers of Christ. We are servants of the risen Lord. And it's not our job to condemn. Now, I've given you John 3.16, but you need to go read 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Because there it says that he came into the world. He didn't come to condemn everyone. He, come salv he came salvifically. The second coming of Christ is going to bring about what? The end, which is the judgment. And that's where that comes in. But the first time that he came to live, he came to, to reveal the light. I am the light of the world. He came salvifically to give his life. He says this, though, in that same passage, that the, the darkness does not like the light. And people will choose to live in their sin rather than follow the light. So here's the behavioral problem for us is that we know that Jesus Christ is the way and that we're going out into the world and we're trying to share that to people who don't want their sin revealed. Because look, it's the same thing for every single one of us. We've got sin that we're battling in our lives. You don't want anybody to know about that, do you? Why? Because it brings guilt and shame. Now I'm going to make a statement here. I personally don't believe that guilt and shame come from the Lord. I think that that's the, that, is the, that is the tools of our enemy. The tool of the Lord is brokenness. Go and read Psalm 51. When David realized his sin, he said, I am broken and my heart is contrite. That is the tools of the Lord. The Lord is trying to break us. And break us of our sin. Guilt and shame is what our enemy uses. And long after we've laid our sin down, <clears throat> our enemy still uses it, doesn't he? We've done things wrong. And you can remember what you've done wrong. <clears throat> and you still think that God is going to hold that against you. God says this, I've taken your sin as far as what? East is from the west. That's how far. He says that your sins are forgiven, but they're also forgotten. We don't forget. That's our enemy. 
We have to be people with blinders on. This is the way. We don't go over here. We don't go over there. And emotionally, we have to keep it together, realizing that the world does not see this the same way that we see it. Their response is going to be different than our response. Let's look at Scripture. Scripture says this. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seems right to a man, but the end of that way, or the way of that is death. Have you ever thought you had the answer to something only to realize that you were wrong? I got this figured out. I got this down. And the next thing you realize, you were wrong. There's a way which you think is right, but the end of that is death. Proverbs 21, 16 says this, A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. You have to stay on the path. Do you realize that we weren't called Christians until Antioch? We, it was called the what? Does anybody remember before that? It's called the way. It's called the way. And Jesus said to them in Mark 1, 17, Follow me and I will... And I will make you become fishers of men. None of us are fishermen in and of ourselves. God makes us. It happens when we connect with him relationally. The first thing we need to realize is that he is the way. The second thing he says is, and the truth. This is our belief system. This is our intellectual response. Just as much as the heart is the seat of the emotion and we have to accept God into our heart and we have to emotionally connect with him, then the next part is is that you got to believe it. Remember, we've talked about this. There is belief and then later on there's going to be faith. Belief is truth. Faith is trust. There's a lot of people who say they believe that this, the, God, the Word of God is truth. Yes, sure it is. Do you trust it? Well, up until the point where it doesn't cost me anything. If you're going to ask me to give to support His kingdom, missionally or through tithes and offerings, new. No. If you're going to ask me to support that missionally or servantly by going out and doing something or being a part of something or having fellowship with people or doing, uh, doing God's work, living for his glory, new. Well, I'm not really sure. I don't make the call on all this. But I'm not really sure that belief is going to get a bunch of people into heaven. Because I can know what truth is and not follow it. There's a stop sign. You see it. It tells you you're supposed to what? Stop. But there ain't nobody else around. No one, right? Let's just go through it. It's okay. This is what we do all the time. God gives us signs in the scriptures tells us what to do, how we should live, how we should not live, what we should do, what we should not do. We say, oh, that's a bunch of do's and don'ts. I don't need that. I'll just go and do it my way. Then we're just blowing through stop signs and yield and turn here. 
and red lights and caution. All of it. We're just casting it all away. To know that it's truth and then to follow it as truth is two different things. We have to intellectually, in our mind, Scripture says over and over again, Paul says it, set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things of God. Renew your mind each and every day. That's part of the transformation of who we are. Romans chapter 12. So we've got to do these things. Why? Because in our mind, we're just like everybody else, and we're trying to find an easier way. The heart is deceitful. Do not trust it. God's words through Jeremiah. There's a way in your heart that you think you've got this all figured out, but the end of that is death. So you're doing battle in your heart and you're doing battle in your mind. Can I really believe that this is truth? Did God really create in six days? Science says it's millions of years. How, does it, how do I reconcile all these things? What does it say about dinosaurs? What does it not say about dinosaurs? What is it this or what is it that? It says a big bang. I was primordial ooze, and I just kind of came up and started walking. We find legitimacy in believing that, even when it doesn't connect all the dots. Why? Why do we find legitimacy in our own thought process? Because up here, we can rationalize it. Do you get that? Oh, maybe so. Maybe I was a squiggly amoeba thing in water one day. And then the next thing I had legs where I was swimming. And I just got up and walked. And over millions of years, I progressed to me. That's scary. And I want to tell you something. That takes greater faith in believing that there's a God in heaven that created and breathed life into me. And made me in his image. But we're okay with that. And we're okay with teaching that and teaching that and teaching that. And telling everybody that this is that, this got to be like this. Right? Why? Because to us it makes what? Makes sense. And we got to make sense of it all. Isaiah 55 says this. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. We're never going to figure God out. How many of you have children in here? Have you ever figured out all your children? Don't they continually confound you? I mean, you think, I know my kid. And then you're going... Who is this? And where did they come from? That's your side of the family right there. <laughs> right? Isn't that what you say? I didn't come from my gene pool. That's somebody else's pool. 
That's your half of the pool. That's the Dead Sea pool coming in right there. This is what we do. We can't figure out our own kids. How are we going to figure out God? Proverbs 27, 19. As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects man. Our heart reflects what? Our humanity. John 9, 35 through 38. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, This is right before, <laughs> this is right here where we're t- talking about this same type of incident happening right before this passage. You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking to you, and you said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Over and over and over, Christ has to what? Prove himself to us through our mind. Because we just can't grasp ourselves. We just can't get grasp hold of it and wrap our heads around it. That's why it takes faith. Do you get this? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am third, the what? The life. Life is the biological characteristics, our physical response. So once we have this in our heart that Jesus is the way, once we have it in our mind that he is the truth, then thirdly, we walk in that. Paul talks about this all the time. We've talked about it on Wednesday nights in Romans. His, he's starting to use his favorite phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Paul says that over and over and over again. He says, walk in faith, walk in Christ. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Walk, 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 walk. He does not say sit. He does not say sleep. He says walk. Walk requires what? Movement. He says be still and know that I am God. So to know God is to be still and to know who he is. But then to live that out in faith is to what? Move. Walk. Moving requires these things. You want to write this down? This is not on your outline. Moving requires mission. God gives us our mission in life. He has a calling on each one of our lives. Every life is called to two things, salvation and servanthood. Every, every life, every life is called to salvation and to servanthood. Other lives are called to different things, meaning sometimes they're called like in Scripture it's referred to or theologically it's referred to as a third calling. Men, women called out to give their life missionally or through the pastorate, or through service as a worship leader, or a, you know that, that kind of calling. But there's other callings that are individually placed on your life. God calls you to do things that he does not call me to do. He calls you to go through things that he does not call me to go through. That is a personal relationship with our Creator. So the first part of the move is the mission. 
Second part of the move is the opportunities. God always will give you opportunity. Paul talks about this all the time. Paul says, help me, Lord, to see the opportunities that lie ahead of me. Help me not to miss the opportunities to pour my life into somebody else's life, to serve you. God is going to give you the opportunity to do what you need to do missionally. The third part of that is vision. Can you see it? The fourth part of that is enlightenment. God will reveal himself to you. You don't have to figure out all the answers. When God wants you to go in a different place, he will do that. Remember, Paul was on his second missionary journey, going and seeing all the places he had gone to on his first missionary journey where they had beaten and thrown rocks at him and all kinds of stuff. He's going back there. And then the Lord, what? Appeared to him in a dream. And he saw what? Someone in Macedonia calling him, come over here. And Paul stopped what that they were doing, got in a boat, crossed over, and went to a whole other area. And the Philippian church is what we get out of that, Acts chapter 16. Macedonian call. God revealed himself to Paul. Paul was moving. He was going to the same places that he had gone before, doing the same things he had done before. Paul didn't know what he was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, what? God gave him a vision and it enlightened him. This is how God works in our life. Elizabeth, one year ago today, you were not here. Did you ever think you would be here a year ago today? Good answer. I mean, think about that. One year ago, she wasn't here. A little over two years ago, the beginning of 2017, I'd never heard of y'all. You'd never heard of me. Now you can't live without me. It's just the effect. It's what God does. I mean, think about it. Now I want you also to think about this. There are people that have come into your life for a period of time and then they've moved out of your life. Your paths cross and you walk together for a period of time and now your, your paths have gone different directions, right? You miss their friendship, you miss their camaraderie, you miss their um, devotion to God and the relationship that you have with each other and that, the, that maybe both of you had with the Lord. But God's using you in different ways. I have a dear, dear friend. Man, I had great times with him in ministry. Awesome times. And God's moved him to a whole different place. And he's doing big things, huge things. It's amazing. Back in the day, he would have said, hey, I know Tim Hunter. Now I'm going, hey, I know him. See, God brought our past together for a period of time. And now they're, they're apart. But he's still using us. This is what it is for us. This is why our road is our road. And sometimes we walk along the same time together, and sometimes we don't walk along the same time together. That doesn't mean our journey ends. It just means that, hey, 
It's a new direction for you, me, or whatever, and we just continue on. This is how God works. This is life. And this is the life. And then sometimes people win, and they get to go home. And some of us are left here. And some of those who are very, very close and dear to us, they've gone home. Their journey's over on this side. And that's okay, too. It's hard for us. It's the physical part of this. Look, we're studying Mark in Sunday school. Mark's favorite phrase that he uses in his gospel is the Son of Man. It's showing the humanity of Christ. Jesus wept. I know that that's in John, but Jesus wept. Jesus was so filled with the suffering of us that, I mean, he bled tears or sweat. Excuse me. I mean, that's how, that's how much strain and stress was on him. Don't tell me he didn't feel your pain. He did. He felt mine too. There's a physical aspect to the life of Christ. Fully God, fully man. He took on your sin. He took on my sin. What he is asking me to do is nothing in comparison to what he's already done. We have to believe. We have to know. We have to understand so that we might have life. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while it is necessary for you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Death is sorrowful. But for the death of a believer, it should be a party. It should be a joyous occasion of the life that was lived for the Father and the going home of that life. The completion of a journey, well done, finished, found faithful, one who did not quit. One who not just believe, but one who walked. May we be found walking when the Lord calls us home. There's a pastor friend of mine. He loved to play golf. And actually, he was, one of my, he was my associational missionary in my first church plant. He loved to play golf. I think he played golf more than anything else in, in the world. I, I, I think he played golf more than he spent time with his wife. I mean, it was just unbelievable. He played golf. Lord took him home. Guess where he went home on? Golf course. But for him, having lived his life as a pastor for all of those years, sacrificing, then doing it associationally as associational missionary for years, I, I thought to myself, what... What not a greater thing for the Lord than to allow him to go home on a place that brought enjoyment to him because he passed that on to other people for the entirety of his life 
Paul Wade with a fishing pole in his hand. Can you see that? Lord calling him home with a fishing pole in his hand. <laughs> Loves to fish. So, I mean, that's right. That's exactly right. You have. He has fished for a few men. Has he not? Amen. See, this is, this is God. God's got this. There are difficulties. There's stuff we don't want to go through. But he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And apart from him, we've already learned. Separated from the vine, there's no life at all. None whatsoever. This is our path. Let's walk that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, thank you so much for this day and for the opportunity which we have to be here and to worship you and to come to you. And Father, our life is your life. You tell us through Scripture, it's no longer I that liveth, but you that liveth in me. Lord, that's hard. There are things we like. There are things we want. There are things we want to do. It's just stuff. There's a direction we think we should go. And in our heart, we see it to be so. But therein, the way is death for us. Father, I pray that you will keep us from killing ourselves, that we might live for you. Help us to find the way. Help us to understand the truth of your word. Help us to live the lives in which you've called us to live. Not turning to the right nor to the left, but staying on the path that you've lighted before us because you are the light of the world. Help us to shine forth so that others might see. These things we ask now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. You move as God moves within your heart. If you need someone to pray with, I'll be here with you.